and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book in the main series. However, my co-hosts are reading the series for the first time. With me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Hello, all. Our producer, AJ Filari, is with us. How are the levels? The How people's are the champion, AJ Filari, is here. Hi, everybody. The levels look yeah, really the trying. People's champion. The levels look good. Trying I, to I build think, it up. Yeah, yeah. And he he plays uh, the, the foil. He's the villain of our podcast. It's Joshua Dean Baker. You'll never guess what my nefarious plan is this week. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> G- guys, guys, uh, does, does anyone know what time it is? 920. You're going to say some dumb shit. I actually think it's like just before midnight. You know, it's just before midnight, you could say. For you? <sighs> what? I'm like, like before midnight tides. That's oh. like, like the books. <sighs> Is that one of the books we're reading? Because <laughs> we're done House of go. We're done House of Chains yeah. now. Yeah. And it's before midnight tides. Cool, 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 cool. You know? I'm yes. like pretty sure it's 1020 for you. And if that's before <laughs> if that's just before midnight, you got you got some stuff to figure out. I mean, out. I am pretty sleepy, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> but I, I was very keen on that. Um and that's all to say today on the show, we finished reading House of Chains and we're going to do our mailbag kind of wrap up episode and talk about our general thoughts about House of Chains, the series so far, and, and answer and respond to some listener questions. We got a ton of great ones. And as always, we're not going to be able to get to them all. But thank you to everyone who wrote in. So with my amazing intro out of the way, <laughs> let's get into it. I mean, I thought it was pretty um, good, but then you addressed the fact that it maybe wasn't that good. So I don't know. Uh, it was pretty good. Thank you, ma'am. Um, Peter, why are you so chic today? Yeah, so I know. Oh, Wait, you missed, did you see his cardigan earlier? It was fucking fire. Oh, my God. Who do you think you are? Does your AJ, apartment this, smell of mahogany and leather-bound books? <laughs> Yeah, I have a few candles going. Yeah, you know? say it looks like there's a nice a roaring fireplace behind you. Maybe shut the lights off. Yeah, get crackling. Some <laughs> okay. Your floor um, to ceiling freaking bookshelf. I'm done. <laughs> Go ahead. Qu- quick side note. Um, keep this in the show if you want. So on Wednesday, I really fucked up myself. Oh, um, is- AJ, AJ heard about this. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I, we were going to have a production meeting about the show. We had to cancel it because I ate a carrot and I like... In eating the carrot, I inhaled a bunch of it and like a bunch of tiny carrot particles went down my windpipe. And I like for like a few hours was throwing up carrot and like coughing up carrot. It was like here's really fucked up. What I would like to say I still am I'm still uncomfortable because of this carrot incident. What I would like to say is as someone that lived with Peter for two years, there is <laughs> zero part of me that is shocked by this because Peter eats like at any moment he's going to be told no more food for the rest of the week. <laughs> Just any moment. He, there is no slow Peter eating. It is always fast and loud. <laughs> fast I remember and one loud. time. The fast old, yeah, I remember it, I, I was only ever drawn to the noises we're, when we're Josh thinking of the pointed same story. <laughs> that like I was like eating cereal and like moaning yeah, while Peter, I was eating for, the cereal. For two months, the first year we lived together, for two months, Peter ate breakfast every morning with his giant studio headphones in, and he did not know that his cereal eating went like this. <laughs> <laughs> for like oh, no. five minutes it was aggressive and then oh. done but it, every every morning i had five minutes of peter moaning and eating only only five minutes oh my god 
That's very And then funny. she asked me to stop, and I rec- kind of recognized the moaning. I, but listen, I'll still moan sometimes <laughs> when I'm eating a good bowl of noodles or something, you know? Well, you got I think to. we all moan sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is a sex-positive show, baby. Sure. All right, let's kick it in. Um, our first question comes from Vintermoon on Discord, and it's a little topical. You know, they ask, how do you feel? Well, they they kind of say that look like they feel like their mindset affects what they're reading and the experiences they have. Mm-hmm. So they kind of asked, like, how do you feel current events affected this read through of House of Chains? And furthermore, we haven't really touched in about the pandemic that much on the show. Mm-hmm. So I guess just. I don't know. What do you think? Like, do you think, do you bring those current events into you when you're reading? Or do you think that, I don't know. I, uh, I'm curious what you think, uh, Inge. Um, that's a really good question. I think it definitely affected um, my read through this time. I think I enjoyed reading it more, uh, A, because it was like kind of like a mental break and escape from like what's going on to just read about somebody else's misfortune. And then again, because we couldn't really do much, I found myself with a lot more time and like intent to read the book and actually digest it. And I think I read more frequently and I enjoyed the story more, I think, because everything else is kind of shitty on the outside. Yeah, I think I agree. I don't know how much I bring current events in. I definitely think my mood affects it more, Mm -hmm. like the type of day I'm having, but especially since excuse me especially since this story is so it is high fantasy and it's so removed from our world i don't know if i necessarily bring into my concerns about politics or i don't know these things into my reading of these books yeah i don't know i i I think i agree with both of you i think i could excuse me i can see how like current events and everything could could affect the way that you interpret some of the stuff that's happening but uh i think for me, it's I was in the same boat as India where I just found myself with more time to commit <laughs> to reading. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And also with Peter, it's just like I used it as a form of kind of escapism, uh, more or less to just like it, it's just like so disconnected from what is happening currently. I don't want to say disconnected from the real world because there are, you know, we it does deal with real events and stuff. But just like specifically what's happening now, I didn't really find a lot of connections within the text, I guess. For me, I think it's just that I never have time. And so this is the only time in my life that I'll read a Malazan book and then get done the section I made myself do that day and then go, I could read more. <laughs> and I'll never think that again in my <laughs> life. Um, and that's <laughs> about it. Because usually I get it done. I usually I, you know, give myself like X amount of time for 30 pages. And then I'm like, <laughs> and then I put the book down. But this time right. I did that. And then I was like, well, I've got eight hours left of my day. I guess I could read more of this. Yeah, that's about it. This next question's from Aaron on Discord. They asked, are there any other characters from which you'd like to see extended point of views, like Karsa at the beginning of House of Chains? I would like to start off by naming some characters that I don't want to see extended point of views from. Number one, <laughs> Iskaral Pust. I'm good out here, thank you. Number two, his wife, whose name I can't be bothered to remember. Mokrul? Mogora. Hey, I had M.O. It's not bad. Hey, what was the little demon monkey from the first book's name? Oh, um, oh my gosh. Wasn't he also oh an MO gosh. name? That was so sad. They left him there. Mogi? I would die. No. Ma. What's Cutter's oh real my name? God. Crocus Monkey Pet. <laughs> it is let's, killing let's, let's make me. some associations. Y'all, that's got yeah. no, Google's like, are you okay, Josh? Do, do, not go, do not Google it. I can do it. <laughs> Crocus Malazan 
pet. Oh my god. Oh, I got it. He's Do you want it? Girl. Do you want it? I was really close. I, it was to start with M O. It's Moby, which I think I said. I said Mogi. Moby. It's Moby. Fucking Christ. I was oh, close. I, I would have never gotten it. I to was be so honest. close. Yeah. Mackerel. Um, yeah. Macaroon. But anyway, yeah, I don't need to see either of them with extended POVs. So. Yeah. Inge, what do you think? Character you'd like to see a long point of view section from, kind of like the car's opening. Mm. Uh, I could, I could, um, I could use some more Lestara. Mm. Ooh, mm. preach. She's fun. And she has, her, her point of views um, were always fun and funny, but also like serious and dry. She's, she's a good character. I'd like to know more. I do. Uh, Indy, I agree. I think Lestara would be a very cool character. I think Pearl would be neat too, because we don't really know anything about Pearl. Um, but my first thought, <laughs> what? I do not need to see a long, a, 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 th- 300 pages on Pearl. <laughs> no, thank you. Hey, it could be secretly very, very interesting. But my, my, my first thought was, and maybe this is a little uh, milk toast. Uh, I think Kalam and Fiddler would, would make some pretty interesting, like extended deep dives into their histories. Um, Wait, who was that? Sorry. Kalam or Fiddler or Quick Ben. Uh, Honestly, any, any of the bridge burners, to be quite honest. Like even uh, fucking Hair Shirt. What's their name? <laughs> Hair shirt. Oh, spindle, Grundle. spindle. Yes, yeah, spindle, spindle. Yeah, and, but honestly, no. any of the bridge burners would, I think, would make an interesting, like, extended. Hey, do you guys know the word milk toast comes from the car, the character Caspar Milk Toast from the comic strip The Timid Soul? Huh. So I think for me, the reason I disagree, I not disagree. Here's here's what I'm trying to say is I think part of the power of the Carsa section, in addition to it being so rooted in one point of view, Are you which about I think to tell me this was a well trick done. question, and the answer was no one. All along, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I think a lot of, uh, some of the power of that section comes from that it's starting from a place of mystery mm-hmm. and then it like ends up at a place we already know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So I guess I feel like that's something I appreciate and I, that's something Steve is interested in in mm-hmm. storytelling. So I guess, I don't know, the idea of just doing it about Pearl, yeah. which AJ seems so excited about. Okay. It was um, just a. I, I I don't know how much I'm into that idea, yeah, but that's fair. You know. I do think I I think there could be an interesting uh, way to do that, like like you said, Pete, starting from mystery, where doing uh, the backstory of one of the mages that Quick Ben has absorbed, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and just like start it from this random mage, and at the very end of his story, he dies and is absorbed into Ab, Ab what's his name Ab, Ab, Adolphus Ab, Ben Delot. I was pretty close with that. Inge, do you want to read the next one? No, but I will. These two. Come in from Colin Farrow from Twitter. Maybe Carson's murder of Bidithal was less about Bidithal's death than it was about Erickson developing Carson's character. And the second one is Corbolo Dom. My first read through this book, I thought his double cross narrative was a load of crap. But listening to your podcast triggered another thought. He must have prepped his assassins to kill the whirlwind goddess long ago and adds legitimacy. So I'll say I do think that a component of the Bidithal ending and having Karsa kill him is purposeful to resolve Karsa's uh, to try and resolve Karsa's journey with uh, sexual violence but I still think it's underdeveloped for my for my thing but we don't need to retread that ground necessarily yeah if but I'd be curious what I was gonna say if anything it kind of just is like a very 
clean end to, all right, we don't need to worry about Bitafall anymore. You know what I mean? Make, it makes it very clear that he is a one and done book villain. Yeah. But I'd be curious to know what you guys think about this uh, Corblo Dom thought. And I'd love to know what you think about his claim altogether. <laughs> you know, it's still bad. Still think you, you, yeah. you don't buy it. I think his plan is still stupid. I yeah, just I don't know. Just just because he had one good part of the plan doesn't. I don't know. I wouldn't say that ad, that makes him legitimate, quote unquote, you know? Yeah. And also, I feel like if there weren't 80 other things happening that night, would his assassins actually have made it and killed, you know, Shaikh's body in her realm? Mm. Like, I get I, I, I'll give Corbolo Dom that. His assassins did manage to do it, but like there was also so much confusion and just things happening. Like if that wasn't the case and it was just the night before the battle, I don't know if I believe that that would have worked as like efficiently as it did here. But I'm saying you can you can't say he's wrong. He did orchestrate the killing of the whirlwind god. He did do that. He did do but it. To be fair, true. she was also just sitting in the woods. <laughs> just yeah, I would out. say that's less of that's less of Corbolo Dom being smart and more of Shaikh being unbelievably dumb. Like have well, but some she was also under assault from the crippled god. No, in some no. way there were chains and stuff. I assume that was crippled god stuff. Yes, chains were there. Hmm. You into that crippled god stuff? Oh my god, India. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's no longer bdsm it's now <laughs> tcg stuff <laughs> sean from gmail sends in uh quite a few comments but i'm going to start with this one i think withholding basic info from the reader about everyone's missions from cotillion was a misstep it makes it hard to connect with a lot of key characters, Kalam, Lestara, Cutter, etc. And it also feels kind of artificial. Like you can see the authorial meddling involved in preventing this information from reaching you. And the payoff doesn't really justify all the point of view gymnastics. Ooh. Snaps for Sean. Ooh, I, I agree. like that. a whole like other that. paragraph, y'all. That is spicy, Ooh. Sean. Yeah, and so what's uh, you're you're feeling it? I so agree. That's so true. I never have anything. I never have any idea what's going on when he pops in and has conversations and then leaves and you don't and nothing happens and there's no any there's no information of what's to come. It it I totally agree with that. It's just like it happens. And honestly, because it's so informal and there's no real like idea of where it's going, I kind of forget a lot of the times when he even visited someone or what he even said to them. So yeah. snaps yeah. for Sean. Yeah, that, I forgot. I really, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, I forgot for a while that Cotillion came and talked to Lestara until I was editing that episode because it just like came up and then it was done and then never really came up again until the end of the book. Yeah, I, I really like the authorial meddling, the, how he phrases that, because Steve is, is very big on saying, well, no, 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 you're not, you know, it's not that I'm not telling you, you're just not seeing from that character's point of view. But I think Sean's got a point, like Steve makes the decision to just stop scenes. Like when mm -hmm. he doesn't want you to know what happens next. Like we're in, we're inhabiting that person. It's just that there's like another 30 seconds to a minute that the author has decided, well, it would be better if you didn't know this. Trust me. That's an interesting idea. Well, it's definitely a choice about when to conceal something for dramatic yeah. tension and when not to, right? Mm -hmm. I think for me, it works the least when it comes to someone like Kalam, you yes. know? And I think that's why I struggled to invest in his journey in this book, because just, you know, I guess we're doing something, and I'm not that invested in the idea of Cotillion doing, you know, I'm not that invested in him, so therefore his mysterious desires, I am also not that invested in, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. 
However, I think, you know me, I'm a big crocus cutter head. I think actually <laughs> having an ambiguous nebulous goal is actually pretty good in that situation because I think it reflects these characters' emotional states. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't think Absalar or Cutter really have a goal or journey that they're actually trying to go on. Mm. So I think actually obscuring that information from the reader actually furthers that characterization and I, I think it works really well there. So I think it, uh, I, I agree I agree with Sean, but I suppose in different ways in different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the second half of Sean's email uh, continues, all that said, I do want to come to the book's defense on one point. Cars's ending and his thoughts on mercy. To me, it's not that he doesn't understand the concept of mercy, it's just that he expresses it in the only language he knows, which is violence. Karsa hates the invisible chains that bind people, the chains of civilization or the gods or the Talan ritual or whatever. And so in killing someone like Bidathal or Silgar or Sibel or even Haboric, uh, who he thankfully doesn't reach, Karsa sees himself as an agent of mercy, not only freeing those people from their magical and or psychological chains by killing them, but also freeing the world from having to deal with these damaged people's existence uh, as they end up being controlled and mastered by those chains. There's mercy there in a certain twisted way. Uh, he shouted out our Philly accents. He's from Chester County. Oh, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, know, I saw love. that. Yeah, much love, yeah, Sean. Indy and I have notoriously strong Philly accents, so <laughs> yeah. sense. Known for it. <laughs> Friday. Anyway, so Josh, what did you uh, what did you think of this and and this idea of Karsa's mercy being violence? I mean, it makes sense for the character for sure. I think in a normal, not normal. I think in a more standard sort of fantasy story, the big moment for Karsa would be when like you know, he decides not to use the violence, and that's the mercy. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I think Karsa's more likely to use to like hold back violence as like a punishment you know what i mean like he does see like himself as the ultimate severer of chains from this mortal coil and if he thinks it'll be like like with silgar you know he he just like he denied him that for so long i think to him that's like the the act of non-violence is really his yeah and i agree i think that actually is a great way to build on sean's point in that he definitely is abstaining from killing silgar as an act of further punishment Mm -hmm. And that in knowing that if he were to kill him, that would be mercy in a way. Mm-hmm. So I think that bolsters Sean's point. Yeah, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I, I like I like that. I think that character. I'm not gonna say I like that characterization because there's many parts of Carsa that I'm like, oof. But uh, <laughs> it's an interesting one to be sure, and yeah. it's one I'm I'm exci- I'm excited to read more of. So here's a question I'm gonna direct it towards Eng. Oh, okay. <laughs> or did you have something else you want to add? Uh, no, no, I, I just agree that I, I think that it's an interesting, uh, characterization, but I think I would have, I don't know, maybe this is just like a, an unfounded complaint or something, but I, I, I wish there was more, uh, of Karsa, like directly saying something like that instead of just like, well, now I'm going to go kill all these people. They're on my list. You know, I agree, AJ. Um, I never thought, I just, I didn't ever, I never thought of it as him hating the invisible chains that bind people i thought he hated his own chains right but i didn't realize that he had uh put that on the people that he killed i thought those were just himself fulfilling his own promises that he made yeah india that's but, that's how i read it too but thinking back on it in this with with this context that that sean brings uh i think that it is in kind of a direct opposition to the crippled god and i mean i guess i keep using the crippled god as like the the chains analogy but the chains do apply to more than just the crippled god but like it is very much just like a a direct defiance of of all of these chains of of the crippled god's chains of you know we all have chains everybody's Mm -hmm. got chains baby break them 
Inge, this comes from Yarnhawk from the Discord, and they say, there's so many great character duos through the series. If you were dropped into the Malazan <laughs> world, who are you teaming up with to create the next great pair? Just one person? Just one person. Inge and... Uh, Haboric. Ooh, Interesting. Really? I Why'd just... you go with Haboric? Haboric is reliable, and he would keep me safe. And I'm hilarious, so I think that we could just be very fun together. I'm funny, he's protector, and we just have like a really like good banter back and forth. We laugh, you know, and we 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 kick ass and we take names, and that's it. I have a great choice. You ready? Mm -hmm. I'm going with Anna Amanda Rake is my decision. <laughs> <laughs> That feels like a real odd couple vibe, do you know what I mean? Because I feel like me and Anamander have very different energies, you know? But I think we'd be a pretty good couple, so that's what I'm going to go with. I just don't think he can see anyone else as an equal, PB, and that's yeah. where I get lost. But, but I think that's the, that's the point, you know? It would he, like, he's in a fish-out-of-water scenario, do you know what I mean? I feel like he's like, what's struggle. that? He's... I feel like it's the reverse. He's like dropped into the real world. What's that? I have to show him around town. <laughs> oh, I mean? like the devil is a part timer. Ooh, it's very yeah, good. It, exactly. So Josh, mm -hmm. who are you teaming up with? I'm really racking my brain and I am. I can't think of anyone that I would want to team up with. No, not really? one person. <laughs> I like a lot of these characters, but here's the problem. Every person in this series is a fucking psychopath <laughs> in some way or another. Name Aren't me a normal person from this book series. Why don't you just go hang out with like Cole or Morelia? I was going to say Cole and Morelia. That was who I was going to guess because like they're at least just kicking it in Darugistan, which I have to hope is now chill. So, well, I do agree. I'm hesitant to choose anyone because like everyone's lives are super bad yeah. and seem really, really difficult to live. Yeah, you that's, know? that's why I'm like hesitant to commit to any of them right now. I don't really want to. Maybe no. worst maybe, case scenario, you suffer a violent death, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. It does sound pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like pretty good out here on the violent death life. So, yeah, I'm really struggling um, to think of anyone that I would deem chill enough. I don't think there is. AJ, who are you choosing? Uh, I honestly, I've been thinking really hard about this. I don't know. Um, but uh, Pete, you say that everybody's suffer, like having a really bad time. I, I think there's one character who's decidedly not having that bad of a time, uh, and it's this Carl Pust. So, That's true. You know, uh, and I think I am just kind of leaning into the Puster bust of it, but. Uh, I, th I don't know. I think it'd be uh, it'd be fine to live with his Carl Pust. I would get over it eventually or, you know, my mind would would break to some point. It would drive you insane. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And, and I mean, then I'm just like in a dark house. Whatever, man. Um, and then you're all just insane running around. I'm just chilling out. Life. Yeah. With a bunch of spiders and some Bokrala. And my and my, my buddy is Carl. Um, AJ, do you want to read the next question and then answer it? OK. Uh, this question comes from Ducks Go Mooful from Discord. Looking forward to Midnight Tides, my question is, how do you think Trull ended up where he ended up at the start of House of Chains? What sort of life do you think he's about to reveal he had in the next book? Ah, <sighs> uh, man. Uh, I haven't decided yet if Trull is... No, you know what? I do think he's being uh, unjustifiably punished for something silly. Oh, yeah. But I am curious what it is. I feel like we learn a lot about it at the beginning. 
if I remember correctly, it feels like... Go ahead, Peter, what were you going to say? Well, the beginning, it, there is a lot of information in that prologue, if you've read, yeah. actually, and it, I, I would suggest rereading it maybe <laughs> after you read the fifth book. Um, if, if, because yeah. it's very... There's actually a lot of clues there, but it, a lot of them don't really make sense unless you kind of already know what happened. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, so definitely, I don't think at the first when you guys first read it, that you guys picked up a lot. Okay, I, I'd, I'd reckon. I've, if I was get like from what I gathered, it sounds like his people have been corrupted towards a purpose, and he mm-hmm. was like, "Hey, we shouldn't be doing that thing." Yeah, and I definitely think he's a dissenting like, voice in yeah, some way, and that's there was like, yeah, he was a dissenting voice against like one guy who had like really come in and kind of like charismatically corrupted all the eater, and then they yeah. were like, "This dude must be." Whatever it's called, when they can't be a, a thing anymore. Sure. That was my guess. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was Sean. Yeah. So, I, th- I mean, that feels like the the that feels like what it has to happen or has to yeah. have happened. You know, we still have a few more questions, but I did just want to note that um, we got a lot of feedback on our finale episode, specifically about how hard we were on Tavor. Yeah. Um. No I didn't know and that, and no anybody who disagrees with me is wrong. So oh my god! That's how yeah, I feel and there's about a that. there's a whole big discussion happening in the Discord. You should pop in there once in a while. You see, the problem with um, I don't have my I don't know how I was just trying to log in, and I I don't have any of my credentials. So. <laughs> I'm out of the Discord for You've that. You've been reason. shorn from the Discord. Not because I don't want to be there. I'm going to read this tweet. During the talk of the rightness or wrongness of not telling Tavor about the identity of X. There are two drivers of that decision, either morality or strategy. I think it's clear the moral choice is to inform Tavor, but Pearl and Lestara were acting strategically. So I suppose that's one kind of rational argument for it, but I believe most people were expressing sympathy for AJ's dissenting opinion that Pearl and Lestara were correct to shield Tavor from this information i'll say this well if i was pearl or lestara of course that's what i would choose but i'm a petty bitch and tavor <laughs> needs to know what she fucking did and that is where that is the fu- hill i, fully, I will die I, I fully agree if i was traveling next to lestara i'd be like oh my gosh we can't yeah like i don't i don't know i feel like i would just i don't know i don't know if i could keep it in though that's just like such a secret you know what i mean mm-hmm. india what do you think <sighs> okay my opinion hasn't changed. If you don't agree, you're wrong. <laughs> St- strategically, fine. Didn't think of it that way. But listen, you kill your sister, you have to know you did it immediately. And that's just that. I don't care who you are. I don't care I th- what you're doing. I think doing. the real conversation ultimately comes back to, and this is where I felt like the conversation on the Discord kept coming back to, was like, how much responsibility does she have for this initial decision of sending her, which I think ultimately is going to hinge on how much you believe that it was the only choice she could have done in the political situation she was in, you know, and I can understand falling on either side of that, you know, and I understand feeling like this is, you know, there was no other choice. She tried the best, she tried all these things. But for me, uh, for me, I cannot come to that position and I ultimately absolutely hold her accountable for that decision and do not think it was the correct one in any sort of way Mm -hmm. so i I just want to know who said she had no other choice i just want to know where it said that she had no other choice in the in the flashback end when we get that the uh the estate is being stormed by the people and Bowden and uh gamut decide 
more or less uh, that sending her away is sending Felicin away is is the best choice. Um, that that is when that happens. And I, uh, AJ. So <laughs> I. Okay, I I do not think sending Felsen away was the correct or best choice or whatever. I think it is the choice that a child made uh, under uh, extreme pressure. <laughs> and it, it obviously wasn't the right choice. But I also think knowing her, know, Tavor knowing that Felsen is now dead, I think she knows that it is her fault. And I don't think she needs to know, hey, that person you just stabbed was your sister because it doesn't matter what happened to Felicin. She knows that she's dead and she knows that or Tavor knows that she's dead and it knows that it was her fault pretty much. And it, it doesn't, doesn't have to, matter, she doesn't have to know that it was directly by matter? her hand. She, because in one way or another, no matter how Felicin died, it was by Tavor's hand. So she doesn't need to know that she literally killed her sister. I get that. I am just not one to, you know, say you did it and you've suffered enough. So it's fine. I, I, I get what you're saying, AJ, that she is emotionally come to terms with that. She, if anything, she's in denial that emotionally that she has killed her yeah, sister I, I in would the be. beginning of the book. And, and kind of it climaxes with her literally killing her sister at the end of the book, which is already kind of a, 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 a moot thing in a way. Her sister has been dead. Right. You know? Yeah. And I would be surprised if like because I, I wouldn't say she necessarily has dealt with it at the end of house of chains it's just kind of like ah all right and like i would be i would be surprised if there isn't something that happens in whenever we come back to devore um whatever book that is i wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of like you know she has some sort of breakdown or something um that's just like uh i did this blah 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 i don't deserve to be a leader or something and then you know but well i guess we'll see but i guess i just wanted to bring that up since it had stirred up so much discussion mm -hmm. and uh so i know funny. we we had we we, we had some quite hot opinions on the show mm -hmm. which i mostly stand by but i basically understand the other side i don't really think you know they're that wrong you know i sure you know that wrong <laughs> that they're, they're, they're i mean they're a little wrong but they're not that wrong. definitely not right maybe you're not um, wrong but josh do you want to read this next email <clears throat> this next uh question comes from curatan from gmail i wanted to chime in about Cars's grandfather I feel like he's such an integral part of Karsa's character development. Karsa has spent his entire life hearing glory stories from his grandfather, and his entire persona is based on his grandfather's legend. Then Karsa finds out that his hero bowed his head to pass through enemy Tablor territory, had to seek refuge with the children due to sickness, and then slaughtered his rescuers once he had regained his strength. It <laughs> sounded more like a wounded animal striking out instead of the act of a conqueror, or however he portrayed himself to Karsa. This disrupts Karsa's <gasps> entire worldview, and I don't think it can be overlooked. Have to roll it down. Have to roll it down. I really love this email, and I uh, have responded okay. with it at the time. It actually came back far earlier when we read those yeah, cards apart. But I flagged it because I just thought it was uh, really question. highlighted kind of the importance of the grandfather stuff. And to me, it speaks to how often in when you talk about warrior myths or these type of heroic myths that they are built on embellishment or deception. Mm -hmm. And that it is ultimately a kind of an illusion of heroism that can drive young men to commit violent acts. So that's what uh, I really appreciated about this email. Do you guys have any thoughts? I pretty much agree uh, on every account. And and going off of your point, Pete, about young men hearing, you know, legends and, and 
all this stuff to live up to like the previous generation or whatever i think is like a a big comment on like the army and stuff and and wars and whatnot it's just like you know the victors get to decide the narrative you know and they get to say what happened and how it happened and why other people should do things and be like them you know mm-hmm. yeah. uh and ultimately i think that is a very dangerous thing and i think through carso we can see that it's an extremely dangerous thing for for the world around carsa and any any person that carsa comes in contact with you know further prodding and how the erosion of history can have these effects on people yeah yeah because i mean especially the the toblakai people right they're the erosion of history the erosion of their whole history you know yeah Mm -hmm. so there was i do wish that because at the end of this email they say it disrupts carsa's entire worldview and i do agree that it does but i really wish that there was some sort of like well, I don't know. I guess he gets immediately captured and whatnot and then deals with all that stuff. So I guess other things happened where he wasn't like reeling from the fact that his grandfather just like fully lied to him for his whole life. Yeah. We have a final question to get to, but it's about time that we talk about House of Chains as an entire book and then where it falls and how we feel about it in the scope of the whole series. So I'm going to come to you, AJ, first. How do you feel about House of Chains as an entirety? Um, in its entirety, I think immediately after I was a, I had some feelings, I guess I had a lot of stuff to to process and and go through and whatnot, but I think sitting on it, because it has been a few weeks now since we have recorded that final episode. I think ultimately it, I will look back on it, I think, and be much more hot on it because it feels like a lot of stuff that happens in this book is set up for future stuff and just reading about it isn't super duper interesting in the moment but i think when we get to like seven and eight and you know by the final two books i will definitely look back on this book as like uh i don't know it it seems like something happened here that i missed right it feels like this is going to be a turning point um and i just don't know it yet Mm. so i don't know i have a lot of faith in the way that steve uh writes things and and the way Mm. that he thinks about his world and stuff and he has proven time and time again that he that that pointless stuff quote unquote, you know, in the moment, pointless stuff can actually be pretty meaningful. So so I think right now it's at the bottom of my list, but my list is also only Memories of Ice and this book. Um, Mm -hmm. So but but I think it will climb to somewhere in the middle of the pack as we get toward the end of the series. Josh, it looks like you're itching to get in here. What is on your mind about House of Chains as a whole? I think I'm with AJ in a lot of ways about how as I go through the rest of these books, I'm sure a lot of this will be much more meaningful. I actually have come to the realization that I think for me, House of Chains, my reading of it was kind of for the worst in some ways because of the podcast structure we have, because... I have a very fast pace of reading, and I feel like I, if on my own was reading this, like, really would have cooked through it, which I think is maybe better for this book in some ways than Memories of Ice. Because in Memories of Ice, we have such a big first climax with, you know, the Battle of Kapistan, and then, you know, you have the second big event at the end, you know, so it it actually kind of really worked because there was a lot more happening like there are a lot, there are bigger events versus House of Change to me feels like it's kind of a mad dash to this big night that you know where everything happens and I think if I had taken a more normal approach for for or pace for me I would have flown through some of the slower sections more and I think I would actually have enjoyed the book more honestly. 
Hmm. That's a good point, Josh. Yeah, Inge, how do you feel about House of Chains overall as a book? Overall, I didn't like it that much. I'd say it was my second least favorite of all of them. First being the first one. And the reason being is that it felt it feels like when you read the whole thing, like I know it can't be condensed, but it feels like you're re- like it, it, the whole book is just a setup for whatever comes next. Kind of mm-hmm. like what AJ said, like I just it, it was I don't love the the backstories of um, the character, the, the characters that you guys loved, those two characters. Troll and Unrack. Them. So and it was heavy in that um, in that respect. And then it just it just wasn't I just wasn't connected to any really any characters in this book at all. Um, And then they killed my favorite one at the end, which really solidified (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I was not happy. So didn't love it. Was pretty bored. I also want to say, I think much more so than the last couple books, we really had some like some like character arcs that I'm not going to say didn't go anywhere, but they have not fully finished. And I'm sure not in this next book because we're fucking going to the past. (laughs) But it's like it's tough (laughs) reading. What's what's the guy? uh, The Tistalosian. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. You know, who's like the dad, not Osric, his son. Oh, oh, Lorik. 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 I feel like Lorik's storyline, when it's finished in X amount of books, I think I'm actually really going to enjoy thinking about how it relates to this first one where he goes and sees his dad in the spirit realm or whatever. I, I think that'll be really cool. But as a one-off, it's tough. With the, And the Absalar and Cutter stuff, I feel like we're, we spend so much time with them mm-hmm. for what? I don't know right. yet. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of un- unresolved threads at the end of this book, which which makes me think when they are resolved, I'll look back on this book and be like, wow, I can't believe we've been sitting on this for, you know, 5,000 yeah, yeah. pages or whatever, you know? So recently we recorded an uh, an episode about er- Stephen Erickson's The Problem of Carsa Orlong essay, mm-hmm. and that should come out later in the off season. And in it, I would say we have recorded it like just after we finished reading House of Chains. And I think I was pretty aggravated with the book mm-hmm. and I was pretty aggravated with Carsa. And I think I come across pretty harsh in that episode and i i mean everything i say i'm not a big carsa fan and i'm not really a fan of this book you know however it's funny you say this aj i think i've had a similar experience i think as time has passed since i finished the book i do feel myself more warm on it and i do think there's a very clear thematic through line to a lot of these storylines and a lot of these characters and i think a lot of it's pretty rich and i enjoy thinking about it and i actually have been reflecting on the book in an emotional way a lot this last month, you know? However, I don't really think the plot coheres and comes together in a meaningful way that provides a a, a satisfying finale to this story. And I think at the end of it, I think that is why I kind of feel adrift is because I don't think ultimately it coheres into one story as an entirety. Ooh, you know? I like that. And I think it's tough because it's like we, we want to compare it so much to Memories of Ice because that's the yeah. book that just precedes it. But I feel like it's right. It's that's somewhat unfair. But at the same time, I, th- I think it's a really good point, Peter. Like there's there's so many storylines in this book that end just so far apart, you know, unlike the first three where like we're pretty tight, you know? It's usually, like, maybe three different at most. But it's always groups of people. But we also have, like, individuals or, like, pairs just kind of everywhere. Yeah. Mm. I get what you're saying. But I suppose now it's time to ask. AJ, you kind of mentioned it. Yours is easy. But Inge, 
if you had to place your four books right now, how are you stacking them up top to bottom? Memories of Ice is the best. Then Deadhouse Gates. Then the first one, Gardens of the Moon. Actually, yeah, yeah. Then then Gardens of the Moon. That one really was not that terrible. And then this one. <laughs> this one was just... I mean, I, and I'm, I feel like maybe I'm just forgetting the good parts because they were so far and in between. But I did love when we went back and read about Lestar. Like, I thought her whole, everything of hers was funny um, and interesting. But every I just did not like this book. However, I did like, just, just to put out there, I did like, um, Carsa was, I, li- I did like the Carsa parts. Like, I did, the, but it just, it, I just, for, ugh. I did not like it, the book, though. I didn't like it. As a whole. I pretty much mirror india exactly i have the same order for me it's memories dead house gardens and then house of chains uh, which i did not think i would ever be saying that gardens of the moon is not my least favorite of the bunch <laughs> but i think it does for all of its many flaws as a first book in a series i think it does the malazan how do all the threads connect at the end thing better than house of change did for me yeah i'm i'm gonna choose the same order actually and and i think i think here's well here's kind of how i think here, about here, it here, and you, maybe Peter, it's a, Peter, are you sure maybe this it's is a how, flawed maybe this is how aj gets his what? fucking ego boosted on the on the discord again because everyone's gonna be like <laughs> i can't believe these fucking idiots aj's the only one who got it right are you sure you want to do maybe, this maybe it's a maybe it's a flawed metric but when i think about what book i would like to pick up and read again do you know I mean mm-hmm. i would choose memories of ice then i would choose dead house gates then i would like choose gardens of moon that would choose, do you know i mean that's oh. just and, and maybe that's not the best metric and i think that's just you know it's a very personal thing this thing mm-hmm. but if that's the um, metric we're using the gardens of the moon i really want to reread but i'm i'm not until we do the series fully <laughs> yeah, I'm not even a huge Gardens of the Moon fan, but as I said early on, early on making this podcast, the rereading the books a game changer. So look into <laughs> yeah. that, you know. Now, I would never choose to reread any of them <laughs> yet. You know, <laughs> who knows where you're going to be, and you know, yeah, life's long. Yeah. You know, facts. Some questions on speculation to take us out come from the Elder God Draconis and Cal from the Discord, and I've paired two of them. Where could you see the end game going as of right now? And which particular character arcs are you most looking forward to being seeing continued? So, India, any, you know, uh, the first question is pretty wild. I mean, where do you think this whole story ends up? But more importantly, who are you excited to follow and learn more about into this kind of second half in a way? I think that I have the most stake right now in... Somehow, don't know how, Crocus and Absol are, but also and mostly Tavor. Mm. Mm, interesting. I'm, 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 I'm a little surprised you said Tavor after we've been a little hard on her. But. <laughs> That's the reason, though. I want, I want to see what happens next. I'm so confused as to how, like, is it just over with? Are we ever going to bring this up again? What's next for her? She's still like, you know, there's still a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. We know nothing. We know nothing about her. Yeah. Josh. How does how do these ten books end? So, you know? so my problem is, I, it's a twofold problem. My my thoughts in the books. One, it feels like it would be the Steve choice to not have the last book be a confrontation against the crippled god. But unfortunately, the last book is called the crippled god. <laughs> so, I guess that's not the answer. And I probably could have had a better answer. But in this book, we met space people in a jade hand, and that really complicates things. 
Um, so that's about as much as I got for the end of the book, because who even fucking knows? Uh, in terms of character arcs, I really am going to regret saying this, but I, I got to know why the fuck we keep seeing Iskarol Pust. Like, why is he, why is this, why is this dude important? Why did we have to know he has a wife? Like, that has to be, like, the fact that we're learning more about him means at some point he's going to be pivotal. And I am so curious as to how. So. AJ, who are you looking forward into following into the next books? Uh, I agree with the the other two so far. I do want to know, you know, where Tavor leads and all that stuff. And, and I'm very curious about Iskarl Plus. But I think right now I am most curious about uh, Fiddler and, like, Cuddle. Ooh. Um, mm. because so good. That's a good one. Like the fiddler that we saw in this book was so different from the fiddler that it's you guys talked about in like Dead House Gates and stuff. Well, I think it was different seeing him back in a squad. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know, in Dead House Gates, he's so removed from that. So I think it's a different environment for the character. Yeah, fiddler. Because I read like the first third of Dead House Gates, and fiddler is kind of like a Kalam esque character. Uh, like what Kalam is doing in this book, Fiddler is doing in Deadhouse Gates in a way where he's just kind of like on his own journey doing stuff. If I'm remembering correctly, mm. it's been a while. So seeing him in a, in a squad in this book was interesting. But then now that his squad leader is dead and now everyone knows that he is like, you know, an ex bridge burner with all this experience and whatnot. I'm curious to see if that manifests into anything, you know, hmm. and yeah. the fact that he keeps coming in, in into contact with the ascended bridge burners like. I want to know what that deal is. You know, I want to I want to know if Fiddler ascends, how Fiddler ascends, you know, if he keeps just like harnessing the power of these these ghost bridge burners. Um, I'm very curious about it. My answer. <laughs> OK. Yeah, PB. Thanks what about you? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Peter. Hey, Peter. What do you think? Th- how do you think the books will end, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so curious. And with everything going on, what do you think is going to be the resolution here? Hey, be detailed. I think the character I'm most excited <laughs> to follow. Not the question, but okay. Although I've spoken so harshly about him, I'm excited to continue to reread Karsha's part of these stories, hmm. you know? Yeah. Because ultimately I didn't change my opinion of the character that much in this House of Chains reread, but I do think I came to a different understanding of him and rereading those parts did make me think about the character in a different way. So I do think I am looking forward to rereading different parts of his story later on. Neat. Which is about as vague as I can be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. You did it. Now, that'll do it for us today on the House of Chains mailbag and wrap up episode. And that means in the month of October here, spooky. Sure. Um, <laughs> Love it. So that means uh, in, before Midnight Tides, there'll be a few more off-season episodes. We'll tweet out a schedule, but in the next coming weeks, I had another spoiler conversation with Hiskar Jarek about House of Chains. We talked about the second Willful Child book. We talked about the prom of Carsa Orlong and the death of the author. And then finally, we talked to Steven Erickson again about House of Chains. So... You can look for all those coming out soon, and we're going to start a read-through of Midnight Tides in about a month. Early November. So look for that then. So before we go, I just wanted to reaffirm our show's support for the movement for racial justice in America. We started our season with plugging links for ways you can be involved for movement towards equality in the United States. And uh, 
Everyone in our community is important and valuable, and that means saying Black Lives Matter. So, goodbye. <laughs>